Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. We partner with JNTEL, a nonprofit organization that provides educational programs to promote emotional and mental health while building our identity in Christ. In this podcast series, you will learn about me, Kimir Baker, the CEO and founder of JNTEL, and other life changers. We inspire, equip, and support you along your journeys. By the renewal of our minds, we overcome life challenges. We renew and rise up. Welcome back, you guys. This is a Healing Peace podcast, and I've been so excited about our new segment that we have going on right now. And you know how we do. Every time we get a new topic, we have people on the show to share their insights and their wisdom and their experiences and just really encourage our spirits. I'm so happy because today I have two lovely people on the show and I will preface in the beginning. This is the first time that I've had a married couple on the show. So if you don't mind, Gary and Gina, I know you, and it's been such a pleasure being in your presence, learning about what you do from a ministry perspective. But can you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? I have been in the education field for over 15 years, and I worked with children with behaviors, children that had disabilities. And I totally loved it. But now I have changed my direction. I'm walking in the purpose of God ministry. I know that at some point I'll go back to education. But right now, that's where I'm at. I'm loving it. I'm right alongside with my husband in our ministry. We're developing a talk show and just doing a whole lot for the Lord. (laughs) All right. And actually, I've heard a lot of good things about you being an educator. (laughs) A lot of good things. It was like, oh, you came in to handle things for us. I just love that spirit. Oh, well, that's so kind. (laughs) I'm a husband, father of four, Air Force veteran, disabled veteran, former amateur boxer, entrepreneur, overseer over a foreign ministries with a fellowship called Well of Hope Fellowship International. I'm a director of Fire and Life International Ministries and the co-host of Fire and Life Talk. And it's a pleasure being here, Kamir. We appreciate appreciate you inviting us on to the show. And we're just looking forward to the interview. We're on the other side of the camera, so to speak, now. Yes. And for those who are listening, if you don't know, I had the privilege of being on Pastor Gary and Gina's show, Talk Show Fire and Life Talk. And and we had such a great conversation and they were so nice that they invited themselves on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) And so, again, Kendrick Spirits, it's been really encouraging just to see your work and, and just to know how you've overcome a lot of those challenges just from a personal level, but still being faithful to God to serve in his kingdom. And so today we're just going to talk about a little bit of those obstacles. I know when we spoke previously, uh, Gary, you spoke to me about having not having your dad in your life and losing your mom in a very traumatic way. 
and how that began to impact your life. And so I was hoping that you can go in a little bit more detail to what did that look like for you? How did that impact your emotional, mental health? Was it a slow rise? Did it pick up? Any more information would be wonderful. Concerning not having a father in my life, early my father was in my life. I have another sibling. He's almost, uh, I guess like 10 and a half years older than me. So when I was born, I, I think I, I was very young when they got divorced, but, but I knew who my dad was. And he used to come get me, take me to McDonald's, put me on his lap, let me, you know, steer the car and things like that. But as I got older and I was with my other cousins and, and, and my friends in the community, I noticed that their dads was teaching them how to wash a car. Their dad was teaching them how to cut grass and things like that. Now I had uncles and of course my older brother in my life. But that component of having that father hands-on, I realized that it affected me to the point I had anger built up and resentment, but I didn't know it until like junior high school is when I first first realized it. And that's when my boxing career started, actually. I was dared to go to the boxing gym, and after a week and a half of calisthenics and you know learning different moves and stuff, they let us hit the bags. And when I hit the bag afterwards, man, I felt so great that I kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And I didn't I didn't realize later until I was I had all that anger stored up. And so how did that anger impact other things around you? Luckily, you were able to box. You were able to beat up some people. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Not bragging. But I I think in life, if you practice and be diligent with something, you're going to be good at it. And I, I end up being good and, and, and did very well in my weight class, each weight class as I grew. But that's where I exerted the anger the most outwardly. I wasn't one to go and bully people or get in trouble that way. I, I just took it out on the bags of my opponents. But in an inward way, I think it, it messed with my self-esteem. Be, because my father, that component was missing when I look back on it. I was a very shy person. And, and I know people that meet me now, they can't tell that. But <laughs> <laughs> only the people that, that was close to me, you know, I would conversate and laugh with anyone else. I was in the shell. Right. And so was there a period where the way that you were managing your anger, was there a period where it began to, and I guess this is a similar to the, the other question I asked, but because you had the boxing as an outlet, was there a point where it became more than just anger? I would, I would say, looking back and, you know, I journal things over the years is that besides the low self-esteem, I had a lack of identity mm, Okay. Um, because I did have other men in my life and, and two uncles that really poured in me, taught me how to fish and did all those things. But yet they were uncles. And again, knowing my father, no, to pick, I could pick up the phone and call my dad or go over there. But, you know, he was going through his own thing at the time. So I, my, my uncles undergirded me. And back then we had a close community mm. family. And, and so, so the, the things were there, but it was still like my dad was missing. I think the low self-esteem. And the loss of identity was the biggest thing. And I went through years 
uh, emulating other people in my life, uh, my pastors, mentors, again, my uncles, cousins, uh, anyone that I thought had a reputable, was reputable in the community of uh, coaches, you know, because you play football and basketball and, and things like that. And sports was a great outlet. But what I excelled in was the boxing. Yeah, just trying to find myself and learn who, who I was and what I was supposed to do with the gifts and the talents in my makeup and identity in life. Right. And I do appreciate your candor in what you've expressed, because I know generally self-confidence and self-esteem, especially from a male perspective, has more of an impact than if it was a, a woman going through that journey. And so, but I'm actually grateful too, because it, what I hear is how God was still supporting you and helping you to find who you are or take anchor in who you are by those other relationships to kind of help guide you. So kudos to God for being what you needed and stepped up and brought it in a different fashion. Do you feel like you're stuck in a rut and can't seem to move forward? If so, you're not alone. Millions of people struggle with emotional and health challenges every year. However, we believe that everyone deserves to live a happy and fulfilling life, and we are here to help you get there. J-I-N-T-E-L, J-I-N-T-E-L, now offers coaching services. Receive these benefits when you book a session. Increase self-awareness, improve communication skills, increase confidence, reduce stress, and improve relationships. If you're ready to take the next step, please go to J-I-N-T-E-L dot org slash services to book a free consultation. And so as you continue to grow and mature as a man, I, I know that you spoke about previously losing your mom. Now having that other seed initially being there from your dad perspective and now not having your mom. Well, my mom was one of the major people in my life. And that's a great question, Kamir, because as you were, the question was developing. It took me back. We have to go back to when I was about seven or eight years old. I found my grandmother passed away and uh, she was laying over the bed. It looked like she had tried to take her medicine. She was foaming at the mouth. And back then we didn't know how to call 911. So I called my aunt, which actually lived on the next street. But the traumatizing part of that in our culture, the youngest grandchild is to tuck the grandmother in, so to speak, you know, at the funeral when you take the silk and put it in. And and so I was standing by the casket and the mortuary director says, OK, little man, we're going to tuck her in. And when they went to close the casket, I said, hey, how's she going to breathe? And they said, no, nah, little man, she just sleep. I said, well, well, wake her up. Y'all going to kill her again, you know, because she's not going to be able to breathe. And I never had any counseling and anybody ever tell me, you know, because I didn't know that what was happening. So then my dad, I was one of the last ones to see my dad as well. And that's when I was a teenager. I was a freshman in high school. Now, my mom, when she passed away, Gina and I, we had to be in our late 20s, I believe, early 30s. But the thing, and we found her. She, she had came to live with us and she was taking care of our son. He wasn't a year old. Yeah, we found her. But, but another component to that, Kamir, was... My wife's mom, my mother-in-law had passed, I think, three months before that. So when I think about it, and I've gone through all this process through counseling and things of that nature, 
but I was carrying the grief and I was carrying the pain because as a man, we're taught, hey, you're tough. You know, don't cry. You know, you're supposed to be strong for your family and everything. So I suppressed everything. And and I did that. And I never forget when I equated to a dam bursting. Mm. When that dam burst, it was through the tears. And I I tried to do as much common sense things as possible. My mom used to say, sense ain't common. And you know, I, I just learned from that vein. But wait a minute, God gave me tear ducts and fluid to come out of it. How come a man shouldn't cry? Mm. So I'm not ashamed of crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've cried in front of thousands, you know, if I needed to, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times we're, we're, we're raised and taught that that's a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. And even in general, not even from a man's perspective, but just even women too, because we were taught that we were just going to go handle the business, take care of things when we didn't have other resources. And so weakness was always assumed to, I mean, sorry, crying was always assumed to be a weakness, but in actuality, your body needs it. It, it needs it. Yeah, exactly. It's a release. Yeah, for sure. And so you said something that I thought was profound, which was, hey, I journaled, I went to counselors. So what happened where you said, okay, I'm going to go get more help? Well, I think the help was always there. Like you said, like you you recognize that God always provided. Going back, I remember crying. And, and I don't know if you ever seen it. It was actually an episode of Will Smith, Fresh Prince, coming to uh, Beverly Hills. What was it? Uh, yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They had a scene with him and his dad that wasn't in his life. And Will was crying and said, how come he don't love me? And man. That broke me because I identified with it on such a level that I went to God and I said, how come I don't have a father? And I never clear as day in my spirit. I heard the Lord say, I will father you. Mm. And he says, I've been fathering you this whole time. Just like you say, God provided. So with that, men start coming into my life that I embraced, you know, as a father. They wasn't my uncles. They wasn't related to me. But they were mentors from the church and pastors and uh, leaders. And because one one thing, too, ever since I was a kid, people say, oh, man, you're going to be great for God. God got his hand on you. And, you know, I didn't understand all those things. But as I got older, I started inquiring, what does that mean? So the Lord brought people in my life at different stages to get me through different stages of life and give me understanding of this journey. Because, you know, God orders our steps. You know, the Bible says our steps are ordered by the Lord. So in those steps, we need other people in our lives. But people come in your life for a reason, some for a season and some for a lifetime. Right. And that has that has been so true. Yeah, because one of the things that you shared that perked my interest when you brought it up is, amen, God brought all of these individuals in your path to kind of be in your spirit. But was there ever a point where you questioned if this is the person to mend my spirit? And did you ever get to a point that was like, well, he's not my dad, so I'm not going to listen to him? No, I think all of the rebellion was out of me at that time because I know I needed something. I was missing something mm. because all, all the deaths and even the death I experienced with in the military, all those things left a void. 
And so with no identity, knowing I needed to avoid field, um, I was very careful in who I embraced. And I, I think it's just a, like kids have that innate nature. <laughs> if this, if this, if there's danger or this person ain't right, the kid will show you. <laughs> you know, even even in the Bible, as you read through it, if you if you look between the lines, the kids love Jesus. The kids always came up to Jesus. He even equated our life should be like a like a child in the way we think and process things. So I think I had that innate nature or something that they may have been doing or, or some character flaw that, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. And so I, I want to go back, if we can, to talk about your journey with working with a counselor, because I, I know from a male perspective, well, not even just male, just society in general. That's not something that we do. And so I know you said you had your bubbling point, which said, okay, I need to go and, and get this done. So how did you find the person to help you through that journey? And did you stick with the person the whole time in terms from a counseling perspective so that you could stay in that situation? Or did you have to navigate different people until you found the right resource? Yeah, that's a great question. The way I had an outlet to military counseling uh, since I was in the military, it first started off with medication, being diagnosed and medication. And even in that process, I've seen some people give up and I wanted to give up too, because it was, at one point I felt like I was being experimented on, mm. you know, with the different meds and some meds I remember one one medication they gave me. It just I wasn't me. I wasn't violent. Didn't want to hurt myself or anyone around me. But I just felt turned inside out. That's the the best way I can explain it. And I never forget praying to the Lord because you know they tell you that you're going to be on these meds for the rest of your life. And some people do. I, I don't discount that. I'm not saying you know take the same path as me. But some of the meds that I've had, I've had to flush and say, Lord, I'm, I got to trust you. And also with the counselor, we have to trust him. So to answer answer your question, yeah, I went I went through quite a few, but I had I had an open avenue to make those choices. And also too, again with the stigma of our community or just as individuals, I didn't know what to look for. So again, that was some of the people that I seen character flaws. One of the first counselors I seen after he did the evaluation and everything, I mean, he kind of went in on me like. You ain't nothing but a used car salesman and all this. I'm like, whoa, what? You know, and I never forget, I left there. And when I got in my car, I just started crying because it's like, he, I'm already down, dude. I'm looking for help. You know what I'm saying? It's like he kicked me. So I wasn't going to go back, but I went back and I let him know how I felt. <laughs> you know, and I told him, I'm done with you. Give me one of your colleagues. And he, he apologized profusely, but that was a wake up call to say, hey, you have to find the right one for you. That's going to cause you to grow. So I went through quite a few. I went through grief counselors, just uh, your basic counselors, stress counselors, things of that nature. Yeah. As you were speaking, one of the things I'm surprised that you kept going. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was over the years. This was over the years because I did go through periods of time. Like I said, well, I just got to do this myself, man, or, or I don't know. But, but, but the biggest thing though, Kamir, in my life was God. We always went to church and we didn't do it religiously. We went to church and we went where we felt as though we were led to go. 
But we did, through that journey, experience a lot of church hurt. But one thing that sums up my life, our life, concerning church, and just life, period, is that all things work together for the good, mm. for those that love him and call according to his purpose. And that is so true because through the church hurts, the tearing of relationships, misunderstandings, lack of identity, we haven't even gotten into the drug use that I had or the suicide attempt or all of those things. Everything has worked together for our good. And it's so amazing that you were able to see that. Are you ready to shed relationship baggage? Want to feel empowered to create the lifestyle you want? Join us for our Living Free to Be Me program. Our program offers a holistic curriculum with interactive resources to help you experience freedom, heal your heart, and receive closure from past hurts. We have a new guided seven-week session opening up. When you sign up, you are not only investing in yourself, but you will receive tools for a lifetime. Go to jintel.org forward slash living dash free to learn more and to sign up for transformative growth. So was there a moment where it was just like, okay, God, I need an intervention. Can you talk us through one of those moments? I've had several in life. I went through uh, oppression and depression. I think what, that was both clinical and emotional. Again, I, I shared at the beginning that I was an amateur boxer. And I'll never forget getting this head injury where I had to get a couple of stitches and the doctor sat me down. She, I'm just a long story short, but she went in and she put, she put her hand over her other hand and shook it like that. And she said, every time you get hit, your brain bounces around in your skull. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good. But I was years into the game. And when she did that, it was a it was a wake-up call because something I visually seen that. And she mentioned Ali and Joe Frazier and all the people that I looked up to, you know, in the boxing game. So that was my last fight. But I, I believe that that was part of the chemical imbalance that I had and also the emotional pain from grief and other things in my life that happened. But I said all that to, to say, well, at one point in time, I was so depressed and so dark that I would get out of bed, go to the couch, lay down, watch certain shows, fall asleep, get up and go back to the bed and lay down. And I got to a point, like you, like you asked me, did I call upon the Lord? Yeah, I called upon the Lord and I told him I'm tired. Mm. I'm tired. I don't want to live like this. I mean, I had traveled all over the world in, in ministry, all of this. But I found myself in that place. And one of my mentors loved David in the Bible. And when we read the Psalms, David went through depressions and oppressions and, and things of that nature. So I could identify with that word, what was poured in me through my mentor. But I got tired and I said, Lord, help me. And I never forget, I got up and I went in the bedroom. I laid on the floor and just cried out to the Lord for mercy and help me. And there was a change on the inside of me, but it started a new journey. Mm -hmm. It started a new journey to get to know the Lord and how he delivers, how he guides and how he uh, brings things up in our life. That's, that's been with us for so long. We've embraced it. It's become a part of us. But hey, there's a new, fresh way. That's not the truth of you, but there's a new, fresh way. And there's a truth in how he created me, how he created us to be victorious in every aspect of our life. 
And I'm curious because one of the things that's so clear as you're speaking is that this journey was a long journey. It doesn't sound like this was like a couple of years. Yeah, it was a long yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah. And so what would you share with someone who's in the thick of their journey right now where it seems hopeless? They don't see the resources. They don't feel supported by God. What would be some encouraging words or things that you went through that could probably inspire and help them at this piece in their lives or stage rather? To simplify it, I would say the Bible says, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Just those two things right there. If we call upon God, if we've never heard his voice, even if we don't understand his word, one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 33 and 3. It says, call upon me. That's our action. I will answer you. That's the promise. And then he gives a little extra. I will show you things that you know not of. So when we call upon God, even though if we don't know him, if we don't know the word, just say, Lord, help me. God, help me. I need to know you. I want to know you. He promised that he'll answer and he'll show us great and mighty things that we don't know of. And a lot of those things is what's in us and who he is. Yeah. And, and one other thing that I want to touch on that you brought up previously in the conversation is about the church hurt. And what I'm curious with that is what helped you to not walk away from God during those experiences and what has kept you in his kingdom advocating for him? Great question. That was one of the most profound times in my life because we went to three churches and it was back to back to back. And I know I had developed a relationship with God where I hear his voice. I know for sure it was him. And it was back to back to back. We went and there was a tremendous tearing and hurt. And I went to God and I said, I'm done with your church. I'm done. I don't want to have nothing to do with your leaders, your giving, your offer, none of it. And God agreed with me. He said, you're right. He said, but remember, I'm the head of the church. And if you seek me, then I'll give you clarity and understanding. And then later on in that same prayer time, I said, but I know I heard your voice. You led me there. He said, I did. Mm. He said, but, and, and most of our ministry has been on the job training, OJT. And here's the most profound thing the Lord told me. He said, I sent you that way to teach you how not to treat my people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's very <laughs> powerful. That's amazing because we so many times we don't see our pain as a vessel for being used later by God to glorify him. Yes. Yeah. And when and, and when that test, when that trial was over with, like I said, this was years because we went back to back to back and we served, served wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. We serve that's that's our heart to serve, mm -hmm. you know, to do things with integrity and to do it right. That don't mean that we perfect. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but yet we get up, right? So after that happened, after that profound prayer and intimate time with God, he sent us to a church, man, that loved on us. We could be ourselves. We can grow and learn and let those things fall off of us. And it was genuine. It was mm. genuine. It was a mega church, but the way they had their system set up was perfect. They brought thousands of people down to one little community. Just real quick, because I, because I always want to use this model and share others to use it, if God is leading you that way, that they broke the city down in zip code. 
-hmm. and each zip code had a pastor. So you would call that pastor. Each zip code had an intercessory group. Each zip code had had uh, uh, care people, and they would call you every week to see what you need and pray for you and things of that nature. So they took they took that small I forget what the Bible called it. I'm sorry, but took that small model and it was piece like a puzzle to make big, and it was it was love throughout. And as as we've been speaking, I've been actually kind of carried away. <laughs> And not realizing the time, because we've talked for a good minute, <laughs> and, and we talked so much that all I all I could do was nod, put in a couple words here and there, and unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't get to Gina just yet. And so, Gina, I want us to be able to continue this conversation. I want us to break for a moment, but to come back and hear how you journeyed with Gary as he was working through these different issues as. Both of you guys are working through the church element. I appreciate your time today. Normally, I ask people, are they going to come back? And it's understood. We, we, we got some more things <laughs> to talk about. And so you guys who have been watching, who've been listening, thank you for taking your time with us. But as Pastor Gary shared, the journey is long. It's long. But one of the things that I would love for you to take away the most is that when you cry out to God, he responds. And numerously, Gary stated that when he reached his rock bottom, he cried out to God and, and God delivered. So I would like to inspire you with those incredible words. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your week.